You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Dan. Morning. So we're going to be continuing on in Romans here. We're actually drawing to a close, guys. Uh, Romans is a long book. It's a lot of stuff. And the end of chapter 15, which is where we're going to be today, chapter 15, if you want to open to that um, with your Bibles, if, you're, if you need to, it'll be on the screen also. Uh, he's he's kind of putting putting the final touches on things in chapter 16 over the next couple of weeks is going to be a complete wrap up and him saying goodbye to the people he's writing to. So uh, we're drawn to a close here. And I just want us to take a minute to reflect on what Paul's talked about because he has really hit some heavy topics, right? Started off in chapter one telling us that God was the creator and that we were messed up. And he spent a few chapters telling us how messed up we were. We, we hear a few weeks of that. And then he told us what the solution was, that God's grace provided a savior. Jesus died for us and uh, went through all the details of that. And then he spent quite a few chapters telling us how to live as Christians, how to follow Jesus. And as I said today, we're kind of wrapping that up and drawing it to a close. And the next couple of weeks will be just the final touches of what Paul had to say to the Romans, Roman Christians. So um, in this section today, Paul refers to himself as a minister, a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And he talks about that ministry. And that word ministry or minister, um, it tends to make us mentally skew towards like professional, organized kind of things. Uh, when we hear about ministries, we tend to think of a, someone's job or an organization or something like that. And most of us, if not all but one of us in this room, are not paid to do ministry. It's not our job. And that, that tends to kind of put us at a separation. We feel like that's, that's a different thing. So I'm going to rely on a separate translation of that word. It's used in other places as servant. So I'm going to talk about that today, serving, serving our Lord. Um, I think that's going to be more relevant to most of us, and even to those of us who might be paid to do this, it's still relevant. It doesn't change anything, but I think it helps uh, those who serve um, as volunteers get it a little better, if you think about it that way. So when I hear about uh, people talking about being servants, this, this particular video clip comes to mind. And I've used it before here, I think, a long time ago, but it's worth seeing again. See, if you're not a Christian here, I mean, that's cool. We're glad you're here. But we, you know, Christians, they use language sometimes in like, like code. It's like it doesn't mean what we're saying. We have this, this phrase, servant's heart. You ever hear that phrase? Servant's heart. I hear that all the time. Tim, you got a servant's heart, dude. You have got a servant's heart. See, I hate it when somebody says I got a servant's heart. It means they want me to start stacking chairs. You know. Servant's heart means you're a pushover and a loser. That's what servant's heart means. Tim, you got a servant's heart. So is your mama. You know what I'm talking about? No. You got a servant. No. Bring it. Bring it. Go time, pal. Fine Christian theologian there, Tim Hawkins. Yeah, High-end thinking. Right? He's a Christian comedian. He's a barrel of laughs. But yeah, servant's heart, we, we tend to just kind of put people in a little bit of a box and say, you do this for us because you got a servant's heart. And that's not the way God wants it. We all need to have hearts that serve, right? So as we get into this, it's a big passage. Um, I'm not going to read it all at once because we'll all fall asleep. I'm going to read it as parts as we go. Um, the first point I want to make here is Paul shares with us his purpose and his procedures, kind of the way he goes about serving. And uh, that's in verses 14 to 21. I'm going to read that for us, and we'll talk about it a little bit. In verse 14, it says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, 
sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make, my, make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Okay, so before we get into Paul's like approach to service, to ministry, and the, the first couple of verses there, there's a bit that, that's worth a little bit of conversation. Um, Paul has written some pretty heavy things to the Roman Christians. And he wants to make it clear to them that he's, even though he's never met them, he's not trying to give them a hard time. He wants them to know that he appreciates and loves them. He values them and affirms what they've done. He's not trying to come off as the know-it-all guy to their irrelevant people. Right? He wants to let them know that because Paul has a tendency to come off that way if you read just bits and pieces and you don't know his heart. If you if you read all of Paul's works in the in the Bible, it makes much more sense when he starts giving people a hard time. So he wants to let them know that that he's not just out to get them, right? And particularly at the end, in verse fourteen of uh, that the sentence, he says there something stuck out to me, and I read a quote that I want to share with you. He says that um, he they are able to instruct one another. What he's telling them is he trusts them to build each other up. That they don't need him to do that. That they're capable of encouraging one another, of exhorting one another of giving each other instruction and guidance on how to be living the life that Paul wrote about, how to follow Jesus. Okay, So in that, um, it, now his letter he knows, and, and he, he's talking about this in, in many ways, he's added to their ability to do that. It's not like he wrote them just for fun. He wanted them to hear what he said and to take it in and use it. But he, he trusted them to be able to do that, in other words. He trusted them to be able to share with each other and to encourage one another and grow. Um, the quote I read here was really cool. I thought it, this is from one of the commentaries I read. It, it, this guy's take on it was, Paul was saying to them this, none were so wise that they had nothing more to learn, and none were so inept that they had nothing of value to share. I thought that was a really good quote, and we ought to take that to heart, because that's the reality in the Christian world, guys. All of us can contribute to each other's lives. All of us have something to offer, and all of us need to hear some things sometimes, some of us more than others, right? That kind of thing. Some of, some of us more often than others, too. But in, other, in any case, Paul trusted the Roman Christians, and we need to trust each other that we can do that. We can encourage one another and lift each other up, right? That's an important piece of this. Um, but that's not kind of the main focus. It was his way of kind of making nice with the Roman Christians, making sure he hadn't given them a hard time too much. But to, to his approach to ministry, verses 15 through 19 are very, uh, very full of that stuff. Um, and I'm just kind of kind of pull out, pull out some bullet points, share a little bit, and, and you need to kind of think, see how that applies to your own life. And that, that's, that's really our goal here, is not just to tell you what the Bible says, but to help you understand how it makes a difference for you and how you can uh, absorb that in and, and make, it, make it be part of your change in life. Because, again, that's one of our goals here is to see you guys change, and myself included, all of us, see of us change to be more like Jesus, to follow him better each day. Okay, so the first thing I noticed here is when Paul sees from uh, starting verse 15, he, he talks about, first of all, his ministry there, his service was from God. He did not make this up himself. If you look at verses 15 and 16, you know, he says very clearly, the grace given to me by God to be a minister um, so that the offering may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, uh, service to the gospel of God. It's all about Jesus, all about God. It's not about him, right? He didn't concoct something he needed to do and go do it. He had a, a very clear path uh, in front of him that, you know, and, and it's hard, too, because God doesn't speak to us audibly. 
I, 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 he has done that in the past. My experience is he doesn't do that anymore. I may be incorrect with that, but most of the things we hear from God are from the scripture and from other people and from the spirit. Um, so he, he shows us ways to do things, but he leads us in that. We don't just randomly figure something out one day and say, oh, God told me that. That's, that's an unusual situation. I would, I would be cautious thinking about that. So Paul knew that his, his uh, ministry of service was from God. Now, Paul had the advantage over us in that Jesus appeared to him bodily, knocked him off a donkey, and made him blind. Okay, if, if that's what it takes to get you there, I guess you can ask him to do that. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll take the, hey, why don't you do this kind of method any day, right? You know, that kind of thing. So as things come up in front of you, look for God working in that, right? That, that's what Paul's telling you. He's going he's gonna to make it clear to you that this is, this is the thing that you can do for him along the way. It's not, uh, not something we should be trying to make up on our own. In other words, he, he didn't one day, Paul, the guy who was killing Jewish people who became Christians and hated Gentiles, didn't wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? Gentiles are my thing. Right? He didn't do that. God moved him along that way. So you know, keep that in mind as you, as you look to serve God. Let him direct you. Don't, don't try to concoct things of your own. Second thing I see here uh, in verse 16 Paul had a specific reason for his ministry. God told him, Jesus told him along the way, and, and just grew him into this, that he was going to be the, uh, how does he phrase it here, the minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, right? That was his task. Um, very specific, and, and we may not always get that kind of direction, but anything that we're going to do to serve should have some sort of purpose to it, not just because we feel like it, right? Paul has, uh, he's, he's laying, for, laying out for us how he's looked at his, his life, so far, this is relatively early compared to some of the letters that he wrote, uh, but he knows that God's been moving him for this purpose, okay? To, to feel like someday, uh, I, just a, a weird example, I think I need to sing for Jesus, and then just walk around singing all day, singing for Jesus. That's okay, but kind of weird, right? You know, just someone walk around singing all day to, to Jesus would make us all look at him a little funny. But if you have an opportunity to sing to Jesus in this format, that makes sense, right? There's a purpose for it. Obviously, our hearts should be full of hymns all the time, as it says in Ephesians. It's fine. Singing to Jesus all day long is great up here. <laughs> I don't know if you want to do it out loud all the time. It's kind of it'd be weird. Some people look at you weird, right? So the, the things that God gives us to do are not random. They might seem random. That's one of the things we run into in trying to figure out what God has in store for us. Is, and I've mentioned this before, I think my last sermon, we don't always need to know why things are happening. We don't need to have a checklist of this is how it's going to work so I know it's going to happen. But there is a purpose. God's, God's not just randomly sending you somewhere to have something weird happen to you. He wants you to, to serve him in ways that, that make sense for his glory, as we're going to see. So the things that we do as uh, we enter into trying to serve God should have a reason for them, that we should see a need and fill it. We should have an idea why this is, this is going to further God's kingdom. Um, you know, somewhere in there, there's got to be a purpose. We don't want to just randomly do stuff. That, that, that's not what Paul did. He had, he had a task to do. And then in verse 16, he carries on to another, another important point in Paul's approach to serving was he did this for God's pleasure and glory. He did not do this for himself. Right? In fact, if you look at Paul's life, very little of that was for himself. He got, he got beat up a lot. But if you see in, in verse 16, it says, um, it's actually kind of 16 and 17. Uh, in service to the gospel of God, the offering of Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, and then later in verse 18, it actually is, he, his, God was bringing the Gentiles to obedience to, to him. He was, he was including the Gentiles in his family, which was a weird thing for that day. Uh, and that was all because God was doing that. Again, Paul and the Jewish people would in no way have ever included the Gentiles. That was not on their mind, although their, their scripture, scriptures should have made them realize that. 
Paul quotes uh, here later from Isaiah about how those who don't know will know. They, they should have known from the scriptures. They didn't, whatever. We probably would have made a lot of the same mistakes. We're probably making some of the same mistakes right now in terms of not hearing what God has to say. But uh, God had that in mind. And what Paul did was to bring glory to God. It was for his pleasure. He didn't um, become the, the minister to the Gentiles because that was a cool thing to do. In fact, it was not the cool thing to do. Right? It was countercultural. And then um, he did it. It was hard. And it made a lot of waves, and he didn't do it for all that. People will do that. People will be different on purpose, right? We've all encountered those folks. Some of us might be those folks. Um, that's not Paul's purpose here. Paul's purpose is to bring God glory. And God was brought great glory because I, I think Steve might have referenced it last week. Almost all of us in here were Gentiles in this world, right? We did not. We are not part of the, the Jewish culture. And we're here because of what Paul did because of what God did through Paul, is what Paul would say, appropriately, right? So this, this entire thing should make sense to us, looking back at history and what God was doing. To them, it didn't make so much sense. It was weird. But there's a good example of not needing to know why all the time. Because Paul and Peter, Peter, when he went up on that rooftop and was telling, he saw the vision about the, the clean food and all that, strange stuff, right? This was not what was going on in that day. We look back at it now and we see what God was doing. Okay, we get it. We, we shouldn't need that historical perspective to say God was doing something, right? We should know that he's doing something and be willing to trust him in that. And, and I, I think I mentioned this again the last time I preached, that we have a tendency to want to know all the whys and whatnots and wherefores because we really want to give God our approval. We want to, we want to join him in something that we agree with, and that's kind of backwards. We need to know that he's doing the right thing and to join him and, and hope that we have the the blessing to know why at some point, but we may not. You know, there, there's scriptures that talk, I believe it's in, in one of the letters to Peter, how Abraham and even the angels, they wondered what the heck was going on, and they, they rejoice now to see what's happening, to see what God has done. So, you know, we'll see one day, but we may not see right away. In any case, we got to know that God's got a plan for us, and he's moving us forward, and we should join him in that for his glory and his pleasure. And, and at the end here, verses 17 and, and 18 and 19, all of that just gives glory to God, right? The the, the spirit of God, the powers and wonders that happened, the, the mystery of the gospel of Christ, and, and all that, he did it so that God would receive all the glory, not himself, right? And in fact, he says in, uh, where is it here? Verse 18, verses 17 and 18, right? He's proud of what God did in him. He's not proud of what he did. He knows God used him. Paul definitely knows God used him. He, he, he's very aware of that. But he's proud that, that God did stuff and, and made that happen, and he got to be part of it. He's actually proud in the sense of, that was awesome. Wasn't that great what God did, and I was there? Not so much look at what I did. And uh, in fact, he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished in me. I'm not going to talk about what I did at all. In other places, he does that to make points. Sometimes he talks about all of his trials and struggles, how he was beaten and shipwrecked and all those things. He did that in a context of letting people know life is going to be hard as a Christian, that it's not all sunshine and roses, right? But the, um, the glory always goes to God from Paul. He knows that it's his thing. God did it. He used him, and he's very happy that he did. But man, it was God. And he's not even going to talk about other stuff that happened. He's, he was a tent maker, probably a pretty good tent maker. He talked about that once just to talk about a context again. He wasn't talking about his great skills. In fact, he, he was self-deprecating a lot 
he talked about how he didn't speak well and how people looked at him funny stuff. There's all kinds of, if you read all of Paul's letters and look for that, you'll see he talks himself down quite a bit. You know, it, it's, and it, it progresses as his life get, as he gets older, too. He, he starts off talking himself uh, as the least of all the apostles. And in one of his last letters, he talks about himself as the greatest of sinners. So he knows how messed up he was. And he's happy to give God the glory for that. So all of that puts a package for how Paul approached serving and ministry, right? He didn't do it randomly. He didn't do it because he felt like something was cool. He did it um, humbly because God told him to in some way, right? He had, like I said, he had the benefit of direct interaction. God tells us stuff. He shows us stuff. There's people around us pushing us in directions. There's all kinds of ways that God moves in your life. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart if you follow Jesus, right? And he'll tell you things to do. You just have to listen and, and kind of take those steps. Take one step and see where it goes, okay? Got to have a reason for it. We, we don't want to just do things randomly. You see a need and meet it. Follow, follow along with other people that are doing something that'll help. You'll just help them, right? You don't have to be creating things out of nowhere to do. God has plenty of work for us to do. And all of it, every single thing we do is for his glory and his pleasure. So if you take that perspective on serving, it changes things sometimes. It helps us to, to do things we don't want to do, to do the chores that nobody wants to do, to do the hard stuff, right? And it helps us, as we'll see later, take joy in that as well. So hopefully that'll help you see how Paul approached his things, because we, we often see Paul talking to us about this situation right now, and you're messed up and you got to fix it, or this is how it needs to be, right? He, he's often addressing certain things. This is, this is kind of a rare time for him where he's talking bigger picture about how he serves and how he lives. And I think we ought to appreciate that and, and take in that, that we can understand and live that way too, right? We can, we can kind of follow along with that. And kind of as a wrap-up, it seems kind of out of the blue here, the last little bit of this where he talks about not preaching where someone else has preached, that thing. Um, when I first read that and I heard someone refer to it, I felt like that was a little bit arrogant. You know, I, was, I didn't know any better. I just heard it the first time. And like he didn't want to be cluttered by anybody else's thoughts, or he, he thought he was the man and he doesn't want to deal with anybody else kind of thing. And you know, as, as I've grown and thought and heard other people's uh, discussions on this, um, there's a couple reasons he said this, I think, right? I don't know exactly what's going on in Paul's mind, but I think there's a couple reasons he would say something like this that are, that are pretty good. The first one is that if people intentionally find people that haven't heard about Jesus and talk to them, that word's going to spread faster. If we all follow one after the other, there's a lot of people that get left out, and eventually maybe we'll get to them, maybe we won't. But Paul's intention was to not let that happen to him, right? He wanted to make sure a lot of people heard. So that, that was good, like... Uh, organizational strategy or something like that. He was trying to make sure he, he found places that hadn't been touched yet so that they got touched. Um, th so that was, that's legit. Right? That's, that's real. The other one I thought that it has a little bit deeper thinking to it. Paul was very aware of the, um, like the differentiation between the parts of the body of God. He spent quite a bit of time in Corinthians talking about that, how the eye is not the same as the foot and all that, if you, if you recall those passages. But he knew that people in, in God's kingdom aren't all the same and have different purposes and tasks, and that those might change during life too. So Paul's approach here as he was trying to go share the gospel was in, in, uh, in it was him, in, in one uh, piece of Corinthians, he talks about some people plant, other people's water, other people water, right? Water that seed. So Paul clearly saw himself, and God used him that way as a planter. He went and planted seeds where they hadn't been planted before, and that someone else would water those seeds and grow that up. So he knew that there was that was meaningful, and he talked about it in other places. So Paul's 
main goal in life, he's, he's telling the, the Romans here, was to go places where they had nerd. It was one of his reasons why he hadn't come to see them yet, because someone had already been there. And other things distracted him, as, we talk, as he talks about here. But, you know, th there's a reason for that. And what I find kind of ironic about all of that is that with this letter, Paul is being the waterer. He's the one doing the watering there. Someone else has planted the seed already, and he's feeding it. He's helping them along take, to take further steps to help them understand. So that, that, that's, I think, what that is about, is him just kind of talking a little bit. You know, he, Paul is very logical and step-by-step -step and goes very straightforward. I really like Paul because that's how I am too. But once in a while, he rambles a little bit and just kind of goes off and says something that comes to mind. And, and that's, I think that's one of them. He was just like kind of letting them know. And he actually transitions there to talking about how he had wanted to come see them. So I think that that's part of that. So it doesn't really fit into the why he's ministering, but I didn't want to just let it go by. I thought that was, it's kind of a weird thing there, and you might be wondering why he said it. Okay, so that'll lead me to my second point. As he talks about um, how serving involves meeting specific needs, right? He, he talks about trying to see the Romans and all that. It is just kind of him. It's a personal letter. Hey, I wanted to come see you, but some things were keeping me from doing that. But now I can come, I hope, right? But he talks about, particularly as he's doing this, he's going to be meeting some needs. And I think that's an important piece of uh, thinking about how to serve God is we serve him in, I, I don't know how many different ways, but many, if not most of them, involve meeting needs of somebody. Okay, it's, it's uh, you know, God has the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need us anything from us, right? But he has us doing things. And it's typically because we need each other. We need to connect with each other and help each other. So I think that's an important thing I want you to get out of this today is how Paul was really just the, the mechanism. He was the, the transfer system of the help that was happening. He wasn't doing the helping. He was, he was taking money that was collected, or money or goods. I'm not exactly sure. It might have been goods. Uh, from some churches and taking to another church. Right? He wasn't doing that. He was just traveling. But it's an important piece that Paul wanted to bring this up. Right? The gist of this, I mean, it's, it's uh, verses 22 to 29. I'm going to read those for you now. It's, it's relevant at this point. So you'll see here, this is what he was doing. I think I was talking to you like I'd already read it. Apology there. Uh, verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now... Since I no longer have any room to work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings." When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what, I, what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So the gist of this is uh, indeed that the Gentile-based churches in like the Asia Minor Greek area uh, were collecting, and like I said, money, goods, I'm not sure what it was, and sending help to the Jewish churches, particularly the one based in, in Jerusalem in this passage, but it was that whole area Overall, they did that. And there's a couple of pieces of low-hanging fruit here for what we can learn. It's, it's easy to see some things here. Um, and one, one thing to learn from this is that the haves were helping the have-nots, right? The, if, the, if you connect the events in Acts, the book of Acts, with what's going on here as Paul's letters go on, the church in Jerusalem got beat up pretty bad. They, they, they got persecuted and they got, um, they, they got basically run out of town. 
and didn't do well. And with that, they, they initially pooled their resources together, but those ran out. Right? When, you, when you sell off what you have to help everybody, you've got nothing left at that, at that point. It was, it was the way it was. So they were, they were in need. So the churches, as they got word, the churches that were founded by the people that went out from there, as they got word of the needs in Jerusalem, they were sending stuff back because they knew that they needed to help those folks. That was their brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Um, so the haves are helping the have-nots. And we here in America have a great tradition of that. We are really a generous people. Um, the, the culture that has built over the last couple hundred years, when disasters happen, we help. That We do. And even on low-key stuff, there's missions in most cities to help people that are poor. There's charities all over the place to help with stuff like that. And, and that's a great thing. I do fear, though, as we progress in America, it may become less of a thing. Okay, And if we feel that our arms are being twisted, or we wonder why those have-nots are always the same have-nots. Why aren't they fixing it? And Or if we have forcible redistribution of, of wealth and stuff like that, it's going to overwhelm that spirit. I hope that doesn't happen to the Christian church here in America. I hope we continue to have that heart of giving to people they need help. Right, And I encourage you to do that uh, in, in whatever way it appeals to you, whatever way you can manage. There's no mandate for that. It's just what God wants us to do is to help people who need it however we can. Um, so just don't lose that. And these guys, when they did it, they did it in a planned, organized way. They didn't just randomly uh, walk up to somebody, give them five bucks. Right? That wasn't, that wasn't what this is about. I'm not speaking to that at all, but that's not what this was about. Okay, they organize, and you see Paul, again, I think it's in Corinthians, telling them to plan this. Each, each week or each time you come together, plan what you're going to give so that it can be used when Paul or whoever came through to take a Jerusalem, they would have it. They wouldn't have to scrounge at that time. So that, that just speaks to uh, you know, making sure that, that the things you're doing are, are well-coordinated, both with your own personal situation, but also with what you're getting to. I don't, I don't know how many times I've said no to some sort of charitable thing because it was looking sketchy. Right? Where's that money going? I don't know. Right? And so finding ways to do that in, in a trusting way is a good thing. Okay? And that's what, the, that's what these churches were doing. They were organizing themselves so each person could bear whatever they could bear of that load, however it made sense to them, sacrificially and generously, as, as it calls for in the scripture. And then it was organized in a way so it would get where it needed to go without getting lost. It's a good plan. Okay? So I, I encourage that. I endorse that idea. Um, so that, that's the the thing that they were doing, and, and that's a good model for us. Another thing, the other low-hanging fruit here is across cultural boundaries. Again, the, the Jews and the Gentiles were not friends, even 30 years after Jesus was gone. This letter was written somewhere 20 to 30 years later. They still did, didn't get along, right? It was, it was not, not good. And the Christian church, or the, the Gentile churches, were helping the Jewish churches here in this case because they needed it. And with generosity, if you read the other, other letters that Paul wrote, he talks about this in his other letters, these events of people giving. People were generous and happy to do it. And then they, they knew that the folks needed help, and they knew that they kind of owed their spiritual uh, change to those folks in Jerusalem, right? The folks in Jerusalem were the ones that left to go spread the word. And then they knew that. They, rep they recognized that. Uh, Paul references it here. And they wanted to help them. They loved them like brothers, and they helped them out. Okay, so that, that's an important piece. Of, those are two things that are easy to see out of that. Here's the big lesson out of all of it, I think, what I see out of it. Both sides were blessed. And that is an important thing to remember when you think about giving. That um, when that act happens, in fact, three sides are blessed. The have-nots are clearly blessed, right? They're getting help. 
the haves are blessed, because Paul quoted Jesus in the book of Acts, I think it was Paul, um, is more blessed to give than receive. And it's funny, I, when I, I thought about that, I looked it up where it was, and I realized we actually don't know where Jesus said that. But whoever said it in the book of Acts, I believe it was Paul, said, as our Lord said, as our Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. So somewhere, someone, someone somewhere recorded that and passed it on to Paul. Okay, so that, that's, um, we know from the scripture. And if you've been on the giving end of things where things worked out, you know it's a blessing. You know you're seeing the change you're giving to someone's life. And it's good. It encourages you and then, you know, it makes you want to do it again. Right? And the third side that's blessed, God is blessed. He loves to see his children helping each other. Right? It's, it's a win for everybody. Can't lose on that. It might feel like a loss because you're giving up something. But it wasn't yours to begin with. God gave you that at some point. Right? That, that's got to be our attitude to all these things. It's God's given us all kinds of stuff for the purpose of glorifying him. And one of the things that glorifies him is helping each other. So kind of how that works. Um, I, I'm convinced. I, I've lived this, guys. I've lived both ends of this. I've been on the giving end. I've been on the receiving end. And it is truly overwhelming. You know, I, I, don't, um, I don't have a specific example to share, but the, the times that I've seen God working to provide for us in ways that I just didn't expect, it is clearly not a quid pro quo game of God. It is not, I did this, so I got that, right? It, it, things just come out of the loop. I have, I have stories I can share from other people that I've seen happen that are very clearly out of nowhere. But the, the idea is that, you know, my, my family, me, we, we've given it a bunch of ways. And, you know, it doesn't need to be money. Time, energy, care, love for people, helping, whatever, right? All kinds of ways we can give. When you do that, you walk away from it feeling like you did a good thing for people, and that's good. And somewhere down the line, something happens for you that way, and it's not an accident. God is helping you, and he's, he's not paying you back. It's a big system that he runs that he takes care of all of us. And when he does that, it's because we're helping in that. We're part of it. Like Paul said, God's doing it through us. He's given me the idea that I ought to go help that person move or whatever it is. And later on, three years later, I might need help. And this other person who doesn't know that person comes and helps me do something. Because that's how God runs it. He's got such a bigger vision than we do about all of that. And we need to trust him in that. When we feel like we're giving, and we're giving, and we're giving, and nobody's helping us, check your perspective, first of all, because you're probably missing some things in that. But secondly, God's got things in hand, and he will take care of you. Okay, he will. At the end of the day, if your heart is his, you're going to be with him forever. And I can't think of a better way to take care of me. As, as we heard in that song, when the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, it will be well with our soul. And all of this stuff is going to go away. What's going to be left is the stuff we've done for him. right? So in the big picture, he's got it taken care of. And when that machine works right, when we're all helping each other, it's a good deal. And people get taken care of. The problem comes when we don't engage in being part of that machine. right? When we don't jump in and help when we should, however it is, financially, time, energy. I, 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 this isn't a message about giving, although they were giving goods. right? It's a message about serving. And serving requires you to give up your time, right? That's a big deal. And time is absolutely the most non-replaceable resource we have. We can't get it back. So it's precious. When someone gives you their time, they give you something precious, right? So it's all about serving and giving. No matter how, we can't get away from it. And when we step back from that, we're hindering what God's trying to do, right? We're, it, the, the machine doesn't work right. And, and when we step into it, it can suck you up. It can use all you got, you think. 
but man, it, this machine works right. Okay, I, I would say this, again, this isn't about financial giving, although it could be, it certainly could land that way. If you are not regularly giving to God of something of yourself, finances, time, energy, something, you're missing the boat. You're missing blessings. You, you might think you're keeping stuff for yourself, and you do. You have stuff, you still have it. Man, you're missing a blessing, and I would encourage you, however it is in your life that it works, take a step out there and give. Serve, right? Put yourself in God's hands and see what he does. He does good stuff. He does good work. You know, believe it or not, he does okay. So, you know, I, I, that's my encouragement from this passage here, this piece of the passage, is put yourself out there and let God use you and see what happens. And my last point kind of flows nicely from this, the fruit of serving. Okay, what happens when you serve? It's the last few sentences in Paul's uh, message here. It's verses 30 through 33. Let me read that for you this time before I start talking. It says, uh, verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So this is Paul asking for prayer. Um, how does that tie in with the fruits of him serving? Well, I think it's... Um, tied in because he's expecting this to happen in his life, he hopes. This is what he's hoping to happen. And he's, he's asking the people to pray for him for that. And he just came off of how he's been doing all this, and he would like this in his life so that he can serve some more, right? The things he's looking for, um, I, now, now remember, this isn't guaranteed, right? This is what he's hoping will happen. And Paul's not a quid pro quo guy either. He's not looking, since I did this, I get that. But he's saying, you know, I've served. This would be a good outcome. This is, this is how I could continue serving well. And if you, if you serve in a manner that pleases God, you could ask him to do these things and kind of expect him to be part of that game, right? So he says uh, he wants to be delivered from unbelievers in verse 31. That's clearly not guaranteed. Not for Paul, not for us. But he's hoping, right? He's hoping he can have some peace to do what God wants him to do. Uh, and, and one of the Timothys, we're commanded to pray for the people in charge of our government so that we can have peace and live godly lives. Right? This is a good goal. And it's hopefully a fruit of serving God, that he keeps you in a place where you can keep serving. Absolutely not guaranteed, but boy, that would be, that's kind of a good thing, right? And, and when we say peace from unbelievers, we're basically looking at just like people letting you live. You know, you're not talking about... Uh, you know, nobody ever bothers you or, you know, nobody cuts you off in traffic or whatever, anything like that. It's more just you're not hindered from serving God. It's not, a, not an overall promise that nothing's ever going to go wrong. You're never going to not get along with people. But the, the unbelievers will not get in the way of you serving God. That's what he's looking for. And then he, another fruit that hopefully happens, you see in verse 31, that his service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He wants to please his brothers and sisters, right? He wants to please the people there, do nice things for them, and make them happy. And that, again, is a fruit when we're serving each other. I referenced, I think, a couple weeks ago, the, the psalm that talks about, isn't it wonderful when the brothers dwell together in unity, right? God loves that. He loves us getting along. And when we're serving each other, it really greases the wheels of getting along, right? You know, if we're, we're all taken for ourselves, those gears grind to a halt. But if we're helping each other and serving each other, the machine moves well, right? That's, that's what Paul's looking for is that he can, his, what he's doing to serve will please people. He, he wants people to be happy. And again, other people's happiness isn't our goal in life. God's glory is. But one of the byproducts of God being glorified in our lives is that people are kind of content around us. 
right? That, that, that the people, the other Christians are content around us. The world may not be content ever, right? You know, you can't, you can't fix that. But if we're living together in unity, helping each other out, we're going to be getting along and being happy with each other. That, that's kind of what Paul's saying here is that this will work out well and we can, you know, enjoy each other. And that's what he finishes with, right? In, in verse 32, he, he's looking for joy and refreshment in the company of the Roman Christians that he hasn't met yet. Imagine that people who don't even know you have joy and refreshment with them. It's real. I, I've, it's, it's so funny that I, I've had a few instances in my life where I met somebody and for some reason they just struck me funny and within five minutes we know we're Christians and all of a sudden it's like we're lifelong friends. You know, that, that, that is real. It's not going to happen all the time, but it, is, it, it does happen. Okay? And, and that concept of us encouraging, refreshing, and, and enjoying each other's company, you know, believe it or not, you look around the room and then that guy's not that much of a refresher. I know that, but you know, we, we can definitely encourage one another and, and find joy in the, the, the company of other people who love Jesus. And it just it brings peace to your heart and, and gives you, you know, I'm not alone in this, all that stuff that makes us feel like God's in there moving our lives along, brings joy and refreshment. You know, so with that, you can see some really good reasons why you might want to serve, right? If you're, you're serving each other, you're, you're, you're going to have some peace and contentment, with, at least with the Christians around you. You're going to enjoy it. Life will be better than it was, right? That, that's not a bad thing. And the contrast is a bad thing. When we're not doing that, not getting along with each other, and not liking where we're living, it's no fun, right? It's pretty clearly not a good situation. So it's easy there, I think, to see that when you serve God the way he wants you to do, there's some fruit in that for you that's just going to happen. You don't even have to do anything about it. He's going to work all that out that way, too. Okay, so those are the ideas I saw in this passage, but I want to wrap this up. Okay, the, and this is where it becomes, how does this affect you? Okay, you have to, this is an easy one to slip by you. To, oh, okay, he said that, and I'm just going, because you don't want to change what's going on in your lives, right? We all have busy lives, stuff is going on. But I also think it's one that you really shouldn't just let slip by. I don't say that because I'm saying it. I'm saying it because the, the Bible says it, right? The Word says it. We need to connect with each other in this way, all right? And so I'm going to just ask you bluntly, how are you serving God? I don't know, and you don't have to answer me, obviously, but you've got to ask yourself that. How are you serving God? How are you being his instrument? How are you being his minister in whatever thing he has for you to do in life? Ask yourself that, right? Now, there's tons of opportunities all over the place. There's all kinds of organizations you can help all kinds of things you can do, and you have to vet all those yourself, figure out all those things I said before. Is there a purpose to this? Is, it, is, it, is there a target here? Are we going you know, to have a, a way to do this that glorifies God? And i got to just remind you, there's a lot of false teachers out there, guys. Right? There's a lot of people that will say they're serving God, and they're not. So just be cautious as you engage with organizations that you don't know that they're actually doing those things, that they're calling themselves, calling themselves Christians, are they? Right? Are they really doing things that God would approve of? Take a look and you make those decisions. Right? And I'm not making them for you. I'm just telling you how to look. Look at that. Um, so you can go anywhere and serve. Right? But I will say, God ordained the local church for a reason. It's a really easy way for us to connect with each other and serve. Okay? So we have plenty of opportunities here to serve. And, and this isn't a, an advertisement like, oh, you got to do this. I'm just telling you. Right? If God wants you to serve and you're not, there's places here for you to do so. Okay, there, there's there's things here, and uh, it's funny. I, I uh, there she is. I, right before right before church, someone was talking to me. They want to serve. And I thought, oh, wait, wait till you hear what I got to say today. Right here it is. Um, you know, you got ways here to serve directly, 
right? You got things you can go in the kids' classes and serve. You can go work with the youth. Um, you, you can work in the cafe or dealing with people. Uh, Care Portal is a way that we have to go deal with meeting needs specifically. It's a way we help uh, people who have kids that are, are having a tough time in life and need help. Right? There, there's all kinds of really active, direct ways you can serve other people. There's indirect ways you can serve. Right? You can you can work with our cleaning team or work on our facilities. There's all kinds of things going on that, that people can help with. Um, and as I was telling the person today, hardly anything we do around here you have to do every week. There's a few things that are kind of every week, but most things can fit into your schedule. And the people that run those opportunities to serve make a schedule asking for your availabilities, right? So it's not even like we're asking people to, to you know, every, every day you got to be here. It's, it's volunteer. We know that, right? And we know lives are busy. So again, just letting you know, if you have been moved by needing to serve, there's places here for you to serve if you want to do that, okay? But no matter what is going on in your life, ask yourself the question this week, how am I serving God? I hope you got an answer already. That'd be awesome if you already got an answer. If you don't, you're missing out, guys. You're missing out on a blessing to others and a blessing to you. You're really missing out. And it's not because I'm a pastor up here telling you we need help. I just know from my own life, when I serve, I am blessed. And I would share that with you. Okay, so let's pray as our music team comes up. We'll sing another song. Father, we thank you that your son served us by coming to uh, pay our penalty, take our place in front of you in judgment. And to free us from that, to, to pay, pay for us to be with you forever, to be with him forever. Lord, and as we uh, hear those words from your, your scripture that that happened, we pray that our hearts will be moved by the Holy Spirit to serve you. And we can't ever match that. But Lord, help us to give generously, to give our, our lives, our time, finances, whatever it takes to serve you. We just pray that the Spirit would move in us to do that. Father, and we thank you that we have the opportunity to serve you, to bring you glory, and to just really enjoy that blessing that you give. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.